really depends on what really needs to happen in your business, what takes up a lot of time, and then how much you hate it, honestly. (laughs) Because if you hate it, it's going to take you longer to do it than it would something that you don't hate. And then finding someone who can help with that to free up some time for you to do other things. Hey, what's up? Today on the show, we got Shantae Gorman joining us. She is the founder of Sugar Punch Marketing. She's also a creator. She's got a YouTube channel, podcast, etc., helping social media managers build their businesses. So if you're thinking about a career as a social media manager, or you're a freelancer, or you already are running your own social media management business, great episode for you. Shantae brings a lot of value to the show. All right, but before we get into it, as always, we put on this show here at Cave, and that's cavesocial.com. We help brands scale predictably and do so through performance creative, social strategy, and other digital marketing. So head over to cavesocial.com. We'd love to help you out. Now let's sit back, relax, get into this episode. Shante, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be good. You've lived, breathed social, social media management. You've built your own agency, Sugar Punch. You've got podcasts, you got YouTube, you got all these things going, right? And that's awesome. And people see that and they go, whoa, like she's got it put together. She's got all these things. But for the person who's thinking about maybe leaving their full-time gig or just picking up clients on the side as a social media manager, I guess, what should somebody do if they want to take that step? What's the first thing that they should do if they want to become you know, a freelance or full-time social media manager? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much you know about marketing, but the first thing you need to do is to get some kind of skill that you can then leverage to actually get clients. So if you want to be a social media manager, pick a platform, focus on that one, learn all the strategies, learn all the best practices, and then do something maybe pro bono or you know work with a charity or volunteer to help a friend or a family member and figure out how to grow their account and get the results that they want. And then you can use that for your portfolio. You don't necessarily have to have like the social presence yourself right away. Like mine didn't even start growing until I started offering like products and like passive income. When I was just a social media manager, filling my client roster, like it was all about reaching out, networking, pitching myself. It wasn't about being a content creator. So don't feel like you have to be in all of the places. Yeah, I mean, even the most like successful SMMs, agency owners I know, a lot of them don't even post to their personal social. They're, you know, they're just Mm -hmm. living in the client world. So I'm with you on that. Now, for that person who's starting, they go get a skill, they go and they contact a client and the client says, yeah, let's do it. I'd love to do it. What's your price? And now we all have that feeling (laughs) where we're like, (laughs) (laughs) and then, you know, the SMM frantically starts Googling, what should I charge? Yeah. Walk me through how you think people should price their services when they're in the freelance game. Yeah. So I actually, I have a spreadsheet calculator for this because I'm awful at math, but basically you want to look at like, what am I going to include in this package? And I always get asked, what should I include in this package? So I'll like get deeper where it's like, how many posts per week are they going to be posting? Are you writing captions for them? Are you doing, you know, like audio selection or trend research? Are you scripting the videos? Are you filming? Are you editing? Like how much of these are you doing per post? How long will it take you per post? And that'll give you an idea of how many hours per week or month you'll be spending on this project. And then you take that and multiply that by your hourly rate. 
which should depend on like how much money you actually need to bring in to cover your bills. And then you'll have like a monthly retainer package. And that's what you charge the client, which it sounds very complicated. But you know, when you get the numbers and it's not too bad, but that's how I recommend it. If you're just starting out, you don't have any clients, you're probably gonna have to charge lower than that just to get your foot in the door. I think most of us charge like 300 bucks, 500 bucks for like our first few clients where it's very, very undercharging, but it's helping build your portfolio. And they're usually not the best clients, but it's a learning experience. And you know, you got to kind of go through that before you can get to the really good clients. Yeah, it's an interesting time. And I think back to like when I was starting very much so just like, sure, I'll do it all for 500 bucks. So I, yeah. when I get that comp- <laughs> now, when people ask me, I'm like, Look, you're going to have to start probably with a lower fee. You don't have a portfolio, all these things. But be very, very clear on exactly what you provide and what you do not provide. Because Mm -hmm. especially when you're starting, somebody might think that you are now their full-time employee for five or 600 bucks a month and start to put things on you that's like not part of your, you know, not what you're doing. So that's one thing where I'm like, okay. Yeah, going to that. And then, yeah, it's interesting on the pricing model. Definitely, we will link to, uh, do you have this as a free guide or as a something that somebody can download or they purchase it or where would they find it if we want to link to it? Yeah, so I sell it in my template shop. It's $17. I'll give you the link so you can share it. But it it does all the math for you and has it all broken down really simple. Cool. Yeah, that's huge. And I think a lot of times, like people starting out, they don't know what to do. It's like, just go have something to start with. You can always raise your prices or change them later. It's not, they're not forever. Mm-hmm. When people are like, oh my God, I'm only charging this. It's like, I remember we doubled our price. We used to do hourly, which I don't recommend anybody do hourly billing. Yeah. And then I doubled my hourly rate one day. I was like, let's just see what happens. Cause I figured if I doubled my hourly rate and kept more than half my clients, then like I was going to essentially have the same amount of work for double or sorry, half the amount of work at the same amount of pay. We doubled the rate. Yeah. We had like 10% churn. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I was like, oh, people, (laughs) we were just wildly undercharging as well. So it was like one of those things where it was like, oh, just because you're starting out and you think to yourself that I would never pay 2,500 for that, or I would never pay five grand for that for an established business, like that might be paying the receptionist 80k a year in San Francisco to have social media manager come in at 40 50 60 you know as a contract it's not a lot of money to that business yeah. but it's a lot of money to you as the, right. the freelancer right so that was something that i It's had to- cheaper than hiring like an in-house employee to do it. Yep. And that's the other thing the seeing seeing that like pricing yourself even against what an entry level job is because you're actually still cheaper. They don't have to do healthcare. They don't have to do a bunch of things that, you know, from the business side, make it a little bit more lucrative for those, for those companies. Now, mm-hmm. moving on a little bit, I guess if there's one or a couple common mistakes that you see people make, maybe they're okay. They're past. Let's set the table first. Let me rewind it. People are sure. they've launched. They're a freelancer. They've got a couple clients. They are now full time. Let's say they're four months into their business. The rah, rah, rah is over, you know, the referrals are not coming in how they were day one, but now they have to run a business, right? What mistakes do you see most commonly and how could people maybe avoid them as they start to build their freelance business? Yeah. Ooh, I love this question. Okay. The first one that comes to mind is saying yes to everything the client asks for. And that kind of ties back to what you said when They just pile everything on and you're not being compensated for all of these extra things and it's not in your agreement or your contract and you just want to keep them happy. So you're like, yeah, I'll do that and I'll do that. And then you 
find that like all of your time is taken up by doing this free work for these clients where now you can't work on your business or work on finding leads or get more clients because you don't have the time for it. So that's one of the mistakes I see is not setting like firm boundaries with your clients of here's what we agreed to. If you want me to do X, Y, and Z, it'll be an extra fee or you know, I know someone else who can help you with this. That's not something I do. And it's okay to say no and turn those things down. Your clients aren't going to leave. Or if they do leave, they're probably not great clients to begin with. You said something really interesting there that, you know, if you're doing a bunch of stuff you aren't paid to do, but then you're not actually focusing on new clients or as business folks like to call it, you know, your pipeline. If you aren't focusing mm -hmm. on pipeline always, that's something that's like was was an interesting transition for me was like, I had to go from good marketer to, to good business person. And those are different yeah. skill sets, right? Yes. And part of that is always be looking for new business and having that as a part of your week. Like I have one day a week, which is like, it's a biz dev day. And that's all it is. Mm -hmm. Because on, I didn't before. And I was going through doing clients, doing clients. And then I got a call one day, basically, our biggest client was like, yeah, we have no more. We're out of business. We have no more money. Yeah. And it was like, oh shit, my business was dependent on that person's business. I was basically just an employee. I didn't have a business. And yeah, it's, it's just so, so crucial as you go through and build. So I'm happy, yeah. happy you said that. How do you recommend people find business? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I really like the whole networking thing and I'm an introvert, so I don't actually like go out in public and network, but like, you know, just chatting with people through the different platforms, they are in the same industry as you becoming friends and not, you know, adversaries is really important. And then they can send each other referrals. I send them referrals. They send me referrals. Everybody works with, you know, a specific type of client and there's plenty of clients to go around. But I also like word of mouth referrals. Now that I have, you know, I'm more of a creator on social media. That's also easier to get my name out there. So if you have the time, create content, collab with people. And if not, then you need to focus on building your portfolio. And there's always businesses that need help, even if they don't have the budget for it, you can always kind of help them out, get the review, get the testimonial, build it in your portfolio, and then kind of move on to bigger projects. But that basically, it's kind of get in there, get to know your other people and get to know the business owners that need help. You said something there where you said everybody kind of works with one type of client. And as you know, you get into the business world, you're doing this. A lot of people say niche down, right? Niche down, pick something, mm -hmm. become known as the expert in that. Did you have a particular niche when you started? No, I, I honestly, I mean, there was stuff that sounded fun, but I just wanted to get paid. Like I needed money. I needed to pay the bills. And so it was whoever wanted to hire me could hire me. And I think that's honestly a good way to start out so that you know what you like and what you don't like. And it could be like, oh, I really love interior design. Like it sounds really fun or, you know, like working with wedding professionals. But then when you actually start working with them, they're a very creative bunch. They have high seasons and low seasons, and they might also be very particular in how they want things done and how they want things to look, which I have interior design clients. I love them. I love working with service creatives, but it's not for everyone. And so it's kind of like one of those where if you haven't experienced it, you don't really know what you do like and what you don't like and what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah, it's interesting when people when we hire people into the agency, I always say, okay, what's a dream client? And everybody says the same thing. They're all saying musician, musician, they want to work with their favorite artist. And I said, okay, look, 
this is my thought on it. I go, great. If you want to work in music, we got to go a two millimeter shift with what we aim. The musician's never going to pay you. You're never going to get paid. Try collecting money from a musician. It's no offense to anyone who's listening who's a musician, but it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but who might pay you is a microphone company or a headphone company. And those people mm-hmm. get you into the events and get you access. And you're still working with those musicians, but you're doing it now with a product company that is has a little bit more maybe predictable revenue business ops in place that will yeah. pay you. So I'm always like, if there's a dream industry, when everyone's trying to be Kanye West's social media manager, Beyonce social media manager, whatever, how do you you know, go around the side and be the, the microphone that she's using? How do you be the SMM for that? Mm-hmm. And I like, I like taking that approach. And that's been something that when we work with our staff, I'm always like, look for those other ways in to facilitate the dream. Yeah. It's like out of the box thinking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been interesting because they all go, oh, that makes way more sense. Now, as you know, you're in this create, you have the creator side now, break down where your business is at today. Like, how does it work. You got the agency, you got creator stuff. Walk me through how you make money and how you spend your time too throughout the week. Yeah. So nowadays I have my agency. I like to keep our client roster small, like 10 clients max. And for the most part, I do the strategy. I do kind of the big picture. And then I have a copywriter. I have um, a video editor, video specialist, graphic designer, engagement specialist. And then I have um, a client concierge and she kind of, you know, is the in-between and does all the deadlines and stuff. So for the most part, all I have to do is like the big picture. And then I will review the content before it gets seen by the client, but I'm not doing any of the actual creating myself, which saves not just my creativity, but a lot of time because creating content takes a lot of time. And then, you know, they do the posting, they do the scheduling. So I don't have to do a whole lot when it comes to the agency. It's kind of top of the funnel where it's kind of, you know, I'm dictating what needs to be done and then everybody else is carrying it out. And then when it comes to the creator side, um, so I offer mentorship classes and I also have like templates and things that social media managers can use for their business. And so that's where most of my time is actually spent. Um, I'm working on making that more profitable. That's much easier to scale than my agency. There's not as many expenses. And so it kind of comes down to like when I'm creating, when I'm posting on social, it is for that specific business. Cause again, it's more profitable. I don't have contractors for that or, you know, extra fees or anything anything where I do with the agency. So that's what my focus is. That's where I spend a lot of my time of creating not just products to sell, but also like marketing them, putting ad spend behind them, hiring specialists to help market them and things like that. I love it. When you were starting in, you know, you're building the agency and you're bringing on employees, contractors, anything for someone who's listening, who is that freelancer, who's like, okay, I'm working a hundred hours a week and I, I need to bring somebody on. What's that first hire that they should look to bring on for their, you know, social media management business? It honestly depends on the person. And I teach a lot of mentees who want to hire, make their first hire. Some people hate graphic design. It takes them a really long time. So then they'll hire a graphic designer or I'll have someone who hates doing like community engagement. So they'll hire an engagement specialist. I have others who hate scheduling and like organization. And so they'll hire like a VA. So it really depends on what really needs to happen in your business, what takes up a lot of time, and then how much you hate it, honestly, (laughs) because if you hate it, it's going to take you longer to do it than it would something that you don't hate. And then finding someone who can help with that to free up some time for you to do other things. I love it. Yeah. I'm always like, delegate, 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 go find some people. Yeah. 
I always, this is my people, I recommend hiring off Upwork. I don't recommend ever trying to find business on Upwork, which is like a whole, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a whole separate podcast. <laughs> now, you know, you have a very online business, you're a creator, you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. It can take up a lot of time. It can take up a lot of mental energy. How do you like sanity check yourself and keep yourself like, okay, yeah. that was a client thing. That's business. That's online. Like I'm just on like, like, yeah, like walk me through if there's any safeguards you have. Do you have a, like a second phone you put stuff on? How do you make sure that you're creating some distance um, from this extremely online business and then having a, you know, extremely online world around us? Yeah. I mean, honestly, having personal boundaries is really the best way I've done it. Going to therapy uh, to learn how to like not take things so personally and like be able to kind of process why does this feel very personal? How am I feeling? How do I process it? And like, okay, it's not actually about me, which is really helpful for any social media manager so that they're not taking all the negativity from the internet with trolls and things like that personally. And then I also, I don't have a second phone, but I have all of the notifications on my phone turned off. So I have to actually open the app to see the notifications, which has been helpful. I also use like quiet mode so that I don't even have anything happening on my phone at certain times. And then I make sure I unplug every weekend. I don't check the apps. I don't check my email. Well, I try to unplug. I will say that sometimes I do sneak and I look at stuff. But you know, ideally, I don't check my emails over the weekend. I don't get on the apps. I don't answer DMs. I don't do any work stuff. Um, and then also in the evenings because I have a family. I need to kind of balance that with actual work. So that's how I do it. And I also have a home office. So only work happens in this office. When I'm not in the office, there's no work. That's been a huge one for me, that last part, where I'm in this office, the house, and when I leave the room, the work's the work doesn't leave the room. It's kind of the rule I had to make yeah. for myself. And that's that's been helpful. Or if I need to do something late at night, I have to come back in here, turn the light on, you know, and do that. Yeah. I like that taking the digital detox as well. That's uh that's good to just have a little bit of space. I recommend everybody go three hours. If you just starting, you're like, what, my phone? Just like go for lunch without it. And then work up yeah. to be like, okay, you know, a day, the nights, so whatever it may be. Shante, this has been awesome. Now, for those who want to learn more about, you know, your services or they want to check out your podcast, your YouTube, where should they go to connect with you? Yeah, so everything is linked on my website, sugarpunchmarketing.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at sugarpunchmarketing. That is my favorite platform. That's where you'll find me. I always answer the DMs and the comments. So you can head over there. If you need help finding something, I'll link it to you. But I'm excited to, to chat more. Sweet. And we'll put links to all of those in the show notes so you can go check out some of the great resources that Shante has. Thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. I'll catch you next time.